We'll hear argument now number 130 original, the State of New Hampshire versus the State of Maine. Mr. Stern. Before the Court today is Maine's motion to dismiss New Hampshire's complaint on race judicata grounds. By its complaint, New Hampshire seeks to redraw its boundary. Would you speak up a little, please? I'm sorry, Your Honor. Maybe you can raise the podium and it'll be closer. Thank you. I apologize. By its complaint, New Hampshire seeks to redraw its boundary with Maine by moving the border from the middle of the river onto Maine's shoreline along the Piscataqua River. In 1976, this Court held that the King's 1740 order permanently fixed the boundary as the, quote, middle of the river, close quote. Um, The consent decree approved by this Court in 1977, according to New Hampshire at the time, in a brief reproduced at 149A of New Hampshire's appendix, uh, that decree, quote, contains specific findings and rulings and sets forth the precise factual basis and legal principles upon which it the decree is founded, close quote. Uh, paragraph 3 of that decree sets forth the pertinent provision of the 1740 King's Order, the, quote, middle of the river, close quote, language. Paragraph 4 of that decree uh, is a ruling or legal principle or finding that, as used in the 1740 order, quote, middle of the river, close quote, means, not surprisingly, middle of the Piscataqua River, middle of the main channel of navigation of the Piscataqua River, if we agree with uh, your position, does it become important, or does it, re- or do we decide here, or is, does it remain in dispute whether the middle means the geographic middle or the or the middle of the channel? No. Paragraph four of the 1977 decree specifically held, uh, or noted, or ruled that, as used in the 1740 order, quote, middle of the river, close quote, means middle of the main channel of navigation of the Piscataqua River. In well, fact, but what um, I guess I'm, I'm asking is, in, is it necessary then, in, if your position is to be maintained, that we refer to our own earlier decree as opposed to simply relying on the 1740 decree? Or is this issue going to come up again? Um, or does that depend on how we write the decision, if you prevail? Uh, hopefully it will not come up again, since this is the third time it's come up. The 1976 opinion of this Court confirmed that the 1740 King's Decree permanently fixed, permanently set the boundary as the, quote, middle of the river, close quote. Where, where is that in the appendix? Um, that would be the Commissioner's report is at, I believe, 14A, attached to our appendix, or or attached to our brief, and I believe at 21A or 22A is the King's affirmance of that. Well, now, the 1977 consent decree, I thought, had to do with the lateral marine boundary from a point going out to the sea. The, and and okay. I did not think that it dealt actually with the upriver area at all and the island where the naval base is now. Am I right? Um, no, Your Honor. No. Uh, uh, the where is it? It is not at 14A. At least not on 14A of, of your brief. And that's what I'm looking for. I apologize, Your Honor. It's 7A. Um, uh, two points I'd like to make in response to your question. Uh, first, That's 7A either. You want to try again? You're talking about your brief in opposition to the motion to dismiss. No, um, our brief, um, we're the moving oh, party. I'm sorry. Your brief. I got you. I'm looking at the wrong. I wish you know. Second paragraph. 7A. Second paragraph. Uh, and it is affirmed, I believe, on 21 or 22A. Getting back to uh, your question, Your Honor, uh, two points I'd like to make. First, uh, by necessity, the terminus point of the lateral marine boundary from the Isle of Shoals um, to the river, you have to determine where the location of the boundary is in the river. Uh, that's clear from the very first pleading, the complaint filed by New Hampshire in 1973, where on the very first page they state that 
the, the boundary between the two states is described in the 1740 King's Decree as the middle of the river. So by necessity, one Yeah, but the question then might become whether it follows the Thalweg or it doesn't, and whether the 77 Consent Decree uh, has race judicata effect here. It may not in relation to this island where the naval base is. The decree on its face in paragraph 4, without reservation, gives meaning to the, the phrase, quote, middle of the river from the 17. Excuse me, Your Honor. Page 4, which is where? I'm still looking for the decree. I can't find it. Oh, you mean the 1977. The decree. That's what we're talking 1977 about. 1977 decree is reproduced, uh, attached to the United States brief, the gray brief. And I believe the. That's exec- what I've been asking for. I'm, tr- I'm trying I to misunderstood, Your Honor. I thought you were referring to the 1740 decree. If one looks at 2A. Paragraph 4, without reservation, uh, gives meaning to the term, quote, middle of the river, close quote, from the 1740 decree as the middle of the main navigational channel of the Piscataqua River. Paragraph 5 that I wanted to get to applies that principle to the river. It applies the principle by laying out a mile portion of the river from its mouth all the way up to Fishing Island. Uh, of note, in the dissenting opinion written by uh, Justice White, uh, it's noted that uh, Maine strongly objected to the proposed geographic middle line of the special master because of the substantial areas that Maine would lose to New Hampshire in both the river and harbor and seaward thereof. Before this court, uh, Maine's assistant attorney general argued, uh, and it's at 104 to 105A of New Hampshire's appendix, that as much of an objection as Maine had to the effect of the geographic line with respect to losing um, territory off the coastline outside the harbor, Maine felt uh, much more, um, uh, a much greater prejudice from the effect inside the harbor. Uh, To the extent that the impression has been left that nobody was thinking about or nobody was um, arguing with respect to the rest of the river, um, that simply is not true from both the plain meaning. The point is that I at least look at New Hampshire's complaint here as resting on an allegation that the division is the low water mark of the main shore. That has nothing to do with and doesn't require us to determine whether we follow the Thalweg or the geographic middle of the river if we applied the old king's decree. But you could deal with your motion and say, sure, we dismiss it, because at least it isn't at the low watermark of the main shore, and not decide whether it means the Thalweg or the geographic middle of the river. Exactly, Your Honor. We could do that, and that would yes, mean they could come back here a fourth time, I assume. I assume, yes. yes. But, but to do that, we would, we would just as much have to rely upon the fact that the only thing which the 1977 decree technically held, namely the, the outward line, depended upon a calculation of what the line within the river was. We'd, st- we'd still have to make that conclusion. And while we're making that conclusion, we, we may as well go the whole hog and, and accept what that, uh, what that decree said was, uh, namely the, uh, the middle of the channel of navigation rather than the ge- geographic middle. Isn't that logical? That's logical. Either approach, um, would result in the motion. I think the other approach is illogical. I mean, there, there, there there's no basis for saying that we can resolve this matter without deciding where it is in the river, uh, because the only thing the decree says is that the line outward into the ocean depends upon the line inward in the harbor and in the river. And it then goes on to say, and that line is the middle of the navigation channel. So it seems to me if we buy into the binding effect of the decree, we buy into the middle of the navigation channel. We agree, Your Honor. To the extent um, 
uh, that uh, there's a suggestion that New Hampshire had no reason or no incentive to press a claim to the shoreline uh, back in the 1970s. That is simply wrong. Um, in, indeed, in response to the special master's report, New Hampshire filed exceptions seeking to move the middle of the river line 350 feet closer to main shore. If the shoreline boundary was correct, if they pressed it back then, the line would be moved not 350 feet, but uh, over half a mile onto main shoreline, obviously resulting in a substantial uh, additional uh, amount of territory being in New Hampshire rather than Maine. Um, to the extent that there is the suggestion that the uh, middle of the river could possibly mean the shoreline, uh, that's diffused by New Hampshire's own, not only the decree on, on its face, paragraph 4 in particular, and its application in paragraph 5, but also with respect to New Hampshire's own pleadings at the time, own briefs, where at, uh, in a brief at 459A of Maine's appendix, New Hampshire explained that when quote, middle of the river, close quote, is, must be interpreted, there are two possible interpretations, uh, Thalveg or geographic middle. New Hampshire at the time did not, did not identify Maine shoreline as a possibility. Uh, because New Hampshire had the... So just as a matter of English usage, it seems that when you talk about the middle of the river, it would not be Maine shoreline. That's what we have been saying, Your Honor. Um, uh, we are here on a complaint seeking to prove, in effect, that, quote, middle of the river, close quote, does not mean middle of the river. But uh, it gets more peculiar because, as a result of the decree uh, in 1977, um, at least the first mile of the river is laid out as the middle of the river. Uh, New Hampshire appears to agree that once we get up to the head of tide near Salmon Falls, we jump back into the middle of the river again because apparently the 1740 decree describes the boundary up there as the middle of the Nuashwanak. So middle of the river means middle of the river at the mouth. Middle of the river means middle of the river at its head. But middle of the river does not mean middle of the river, according to New Hampshire, in the middle section of the river. And it becomes even more peculiar because it appears that New Hampshire concedes that all virtually all, if not all, of the islands on Maine's side of the middle of the river, except the Shipyard Island, are in Maine. So it would have this jogging boundary with all of the islands except one in the state of Maine. Um, but the, the last time around, there wasn't any actual adjudication. As I understand it, the special master said the ge- geological line, and this court said, no, the parties have agreed on what middle of the river means, but it was, one could say that agreement was for that controversy, and then all bets are off when we're talking about a different portion. Um, We would disagree with that for a number of reasons. First, uh, we've argued both claim and issue preclusion, and our view is because the transaction of the meaning an applicability of the 1740 King's Decree was before the court in the 1970s, in particular with respect to the location of the boundary in the river. Uh, New Hampshire is precluded from today coming and presenting a different theory as to the meaning and applicability of the 1740 degree. Well, first on claim preclusion, it isn't the same claim because it was one portion that was in contention in 77 and a different portion now, so I don't see how it could be claim preclusion. The, the, the dispute over the lobster fishing is not dealing with the same land as the current case. Is that right? Not exactly, because back in the 1970s, uh, as has been explained previously, by necessity, it was essential to determine the location of the boundary in the river. And, in fact, the decree applied the principle to a portion of the river. But, but we understand, as is obvious by comparing the United States brief and Maine's brief, that reasonable minds can differ as to whether we're talking about a claim or an issue. We believe claim preclusion and issue preclusion are different paths that get to the same spot, race judicata. Um, but 
we believe. The difference is in claim preclusion would favor you to the extent that it doesn't matter what was actually litigated if it's part of the whole claim. Exactly. But issue preclusion, it usually does matter whether it was actually litigated. Yes, if it is a, quote, consent decree, close quote. And we would argue that this is not the type of consent decree uh, described in, for example, international building, because here this court made an independent determination that the 1740 King's Order and not the proposed consent decree permanently fixed the boundary as the middle of the river. We would also suggest that looking at, in particular, paragraph 4 of the 1977 decree, that that, according to New Hampshire, as we've related, is a specific finding or ruling or legal principle with respect to the entire river because, in particular, in paragraph 5, it was applied to a portion of the river. If there are no further questions now, I'd reserve the rest of my time for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. Stern. Uh, Mr. Manier, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The United States submits that Maine's current suit is barred by this Court's 1976 decision and its 1977 decree in New Hampshire v. Maine, number 64 original. And we think to understand 64 original, it's useful to look at a map here. New Hampshire has provided a lodging of maps, and I would refer you, if you have a copy, to map 4, which shows the consent decree line. What? This is in a eight and a half by eleven uh, document entitled New Hampshire's Map Lodging for Oral Argument. Now, map. Some of us don't have it, Mr. Manier. Okay, perhaps I can describe the line, and that might be helpful to understand the operation of the consent decree in uh, 1977. This consent decree did provide for a description of the lateral marine boundary, uh, which runs uh, perpendicular to what would be the coastline of Maine and New Hampshire. For those of us that do have it, what? what it's map number four. It's tab four. We should be rewarded for having it. four it is. Uh, in any event, the, the line that was drawn here includes the lateral marine boundary, but by terms of the, the consent decree, it also extended the line up into the harbor. This is the line that runs almost north-south that, that uh, is marked here. That, is, that line is described in paragraph 5 of the consent decree. Uh, and you notice it's a straight line, and the reason why it's a straight line is it follows the range of lights that mariners use to navigate up the channel, and that's why we call this the main channel of navigation. And you'll see it ends at a point where there's another line that crosses uh, perpendicular, almost east-west. That's another set of range lights where uh, people who are navigating would follow as well, going further up the river. But the important point to recognize with regard to the consent decree is that it did define the channel as the, the middle of the river as the middle of the main channel of navigation, and it extended that line up into the river a considerable degree. Say, uh, the, that definition of the middle river, the main channel, is that the Talweg or just the channel that is in fact used by the ships? I think in actuality it is the channel that is in fact used by the ships. The, as Justice White pointed out in his dissent in number 64 original, the Thalweg would normally follow the deepest channel or where the current is mm-hmm. fastest, and so it would not necessarily be a straight line. But by the terms of the consent decree, and as the line that is drawn shown here, they compromised their, uh, their meaning of the consent dec- uh, their meaning of the 1740 order by using where the ships actually travel. And, and how does that help us as we proceed north uh, through uh, beyond CV Island? Uh, CV Island is is to the is to the left, to the west of this line. And if one were to draw the line consistently with the 64 decree, one would travel east-west along those range lights that are very faintly marked. Uh, and they begin at actually at Pierce's Island, which is not marked here. But up north, you see CV Island. The important point for purposes of the motion to dismiss is under any interpretation of the 1740 decree, we think that New Hampshire's complaint must be dismissed. The the argument is being made that that the normal conditions for for issue preclusion uh, 
are are met here because this uh, this was not an uh, an ordinary consent decree that the court really had to make a legal determination uh, because of the special nature of the court's responsibilities with regard to uh, boundary disputes between the states. If if that is true, uh, I I can't understand how the court could have simply invented the uh, Certainly, in 1740, they, they meant either either the tall the tall vague or the or the geographic center of the of the river. It's I mean, I I nope, I, I don't I don't think anybody thought in 1740 they meant the you know the the usual channel of navigation. Did anybody say that? Well, I, Maine was was making that argument, and it wasn't ultimately resolved. Of course, the master disagreed with the, the consent judgment that was proposed on the basis that it should have been the geographic middle, and this Court rejected that argument. Now, the Court made two legal rulings in — Well, you, you say that the, the Court actually decided that that's what the 1740 uh, document meant. No. Rather, what the Court said in its 1976 decision was, first, that it's clear that the 1740 order of the king — controls here, and it's the middle of the river. And second, the parties are entitled to compromise their claim because this is a reasonable interpretation of the decree, not perhaps the only interpretation of the 1740 decree, but one that was permissible. And I don't think the Court wants to go back and — The 1740 decree reasonably referred to uh, harbor lights that were planted out there in, uh, what, 1960? No, I I think what the Court was suggesting is they could have — that that decree could reasonably describe what was the main channel of navigation, however that was determined at that time. And, of course, boundaries are ambulatory. They move. And maybe the main channel of navigation is followed differently than is now. But for purposes of resolving this dispute, the Court accepted the party's agreement that the range light line would be used to determine the main channel of navigation as to this segment. We think that the, that the Court's consent decree does preclude further litigation, at least to the extent that certainly the middle of the river is not on the low water mark. And furthermore, we would argue that the main channel of navigation continue, should be continued to be used to continue up the river. To do otherwise would provide a discontinuous line. And we do think that the 1740 order of the king ought to be interpreted in one way as we go from the mouth of the harbor up the river. Uh, any other interpretation will lead to discontinuous lines. The court will have to connect. New Hampshire suggests that's all right. You simply use your equitable powers. We suggest that the better approach here is to read the consent decree as reasonably determining that the king's order would have one meeting for purposes of the 1740 order, and it should be applied consistently throughout the length of the river. Mr. Mayor, which preclusion principle are you relying on? Because it seems to me it doesn't fit claim preclusion. It is a different claim that's being made here. So. We rely on, on issue preclusion. And we Even think though the Court didn't actually adjudicate anything, it accepted the party's submission. Well, the Court did adjudicate the question of whether the 1740 order controls. It found it necessary to reach that issue in order to enter the consent decree. As to the, uh, the line that was drawn, this Court noted in Arizona v. California, and it noted in United States versus International Building Company, that if questions of law and fact are resolved in a consent judgment, those can be binding on the party. And we think it's reasonable to read this consent judgment as providing a single interpretation of middle of the river that would apply henceforth to all applications of the 1740 decree. After all, this decree only affects these two states, and it's reasonable for them to conclude when they drew the boundary that they were looking at one definition. And, in fact, the text of the order suggests — of the 1977 decree suggests that as well. It says what the word middle of the river means, not what it's meant to — what it's deemed to mean for purposes of this case only. If the parties — the parties were well represented, and if the parties had intended that this case would — was only good — that this ruling was only good for this stretch of the river, they would have clearly indicated that by the terms of the consent decree, and they would have put the Court on notice that that's exactly what it was determining. What is the — is the — just the — that vertical blue line that you're talking about on yes. Cap 4? Yes. Is — on paragraph 5 of the decree, it says, you proceed southward as indicated by the range lights located in the vicinity of Pepperell Clove and Kittery Point. Is that what they're talking about? Yes, they're, they're going moving from south, from north to south. So here. it starts, so that, that phrase in paragraph 5 is meant to pick up the top of that, that vertical leg and go down. That's right. Okay. And the reason that they say in the vicinity is they started that point where the two range lines intersect. So this is all comes from some map, a range line is marked on the coast and geo- 
Eudetic survey chart 211, et cetera. Yes. Now, the current charts, if the Court is interested in looking at the current nautical charts, there are NOAA charts 13278 and 13283. I think you'll find that there's some difficulty sometimes in finding these charts, and I wanted to provide you with those numbers in case you have the uh, inclination to look further at the charts that are involved here. If there are no further questions, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Manier. Uh, Ms. Ludke, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. I'd like to start by framing what appears to be the central issue before the Court, and that issue is as followed, follows. Maine and the United States argue that New Hampshire is bound by its position in a 1976 case concerning the meaning of a 1740 boundary decree. That case involved the determination of the state's lateral marine boundary that ran between the mouths of Portsmouth Harbor and Gosport Harbor. Now, the boundary decree in question, which was issued as an order in council in 1740, describes the boundary as follows, and I will paraphrase the description. The boundary passes up through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor and up the middle of the river into the river Nuitawanic and through the same to the furthest head, and it divides the Isle of Shoals. In 1976, Maine and New Hampshire agreed that three phrases in the 1740 decree had relevance in determining the location of their lateral marine boundary. And those phrases were as follows. Phrase number one, the boundary passes up through the mouth of the harbor. Phrase two, it passes up the middle of the river. And phrase three, it divides the Isle of Shoals. Since that time, New Hampshire has determined, for good historical reasons, after a searching review of original records and maps, that the phrase, up the middle of the river, has no relevance to determining the location of the boundary in the harbor and the tidal portion of the Piscataqua River. Maine and the United States claim that the stipulation in 1976 precludes New Hampshire from arguing in this case that that phrase, up the middle of the river, has no application to the location of the boundary in Portsmouth Harbor. New Hampshire contends that it isn't precluded from arguing that because that phrase, up the middle of the river, was not essential to this court's jurisdiction to enter judgment approving the consent decree. We say that it wasn't essential to the court's jurisdiction, and we say that, if anything, it impeded this court's ability to enter that order. You're you're talking about how you argued in 1977? You said we said, which I take it as something that you said in the past. Excuse me, I meant it's our position in this litigation that that phrase and the party's stipulation as to the meaning of the phrase up the middle of the river in 1976 impeded this court's ability to enter the consent decree. You you think middle of the harbor was also not relevant to that decree? Your Honor, the consent decree did not address the phrase middle of the harbor, nor did it address the phrase mouth of the harbor. Paragraph 4 says the terms middle of the river and middle of the harbor, as used in the above quoted order, mean the middle of the main channel of navigation. I understand that. I'm referring to the consent decree that was entered by the parties where the parties did not address the meaning of those terms. The consent decree entered by the parties defined only the term middle of the river. And the parties defined the term middle of the river in that consent decree as meaning the 1956 ship's range light channel. May I just interrupt to get one thing straight? The parties signed a consent decree, but this court didn't enter that decree. Isn't that right? This court um, 
entered in order approving the consent decree. And where, where is the consent decree in the materials in front of us? I have the order. I, I don't know where the consent decree is. It's in page 1A of the government. No, that's no, the no, order, that's I the think. Order. That's the order. Are you talking well, it's about? it's a decree. That's, that's right. That's decree. not what she's talking that's about. That's not what she's talking about. She says th- th- this decree does say middle, middle of the harbor. But she says that the party's consent decree did not say middle of the harbor. The party's consent decree appears in the appendix to the brief for the United States. And the paragraph uh, at where, issue, whereabouts, Ms. Lucky? Uh, excuse me, one A in. Well, that's what I'm looking. At. That's what we're reading from, and it says middle of the harbor, paragraph four. The terms middle of the river and middle of the harbor. Now, certainly, middle of the harbor was essential to drawing a line outward into the into the lobster beds. Uh, do you think middle of the harbor means something different from middle of the river? That means the middle of the Gosport Harbor, Your Honor. The, right. the boundary line, it, the lateral it, it marine boundary nav- line, the, 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 goes the, through the middle of Gosport. The regular harbor. channel of navigation through the harbor. And you think that middle of the river does not mean the, the regular channel of navigation through the river. That, that's rather odd, it seems to me. Your Honor, New Hampshire has very carefully reviewed the historical documents pertaining to the 1740 order and the way in which the language was used in that 1740 well, order. Well, just focusing on, on number four for a minute, it says the terms middle of the river is used in the above quarter mean that I'll interpret, interpolate A, the middle of the main channel of navigation of the uh, Pescada River, and B, the middle of the main channel of navigation of Gosport Harbor. Well, there's, th- those, are, those are conjunctive phrases, each having their own meaning, are they not? That's correct. The term middle of the river, it refers to the main channel of navigation in the Piscataqua River, which is then defined by the ship's range light line. The term middle of the harbor means the middle of the main channel of navigation through Gosport Harbor, which is in the Isle of Shoals. So then it goes on to define what they're talking about, and they say the middle of the main channel of navigation, and that's why I asked this question, and they say, is that blue line? Okay, so that's what it says right in the decree. It says it's that blue line. I mean, at least that's what I was told. Paragraph 5 of that decree is, means exactly as if it were written, that blue line. That's correct, Your right, Honor. So what's the issue? Here you agree, and they agree, that in a consent decree entered by the court, that the channel is that blue line. And now you're saying it's not that blue line. All right, why? Your Honor, the state of New Hampshire is not contesting the lateral marine boundary in the portion, I call it the dogleg portion, that runs up towards Pepperell Cove. And that is the line that is referred to that is marked by the 1956 ship's range line. And that line, by definition, terminates at the location of the ship's range light lines which are located on Pepperell Cove. It is not a continuous line. Uh, so can you, I'm sorry that I, maybe other, that my, uh, looking at map four, what part are you talking about? Looking at map four, the line that proceeds from here to here, at the top, towards Pepperell Cove, yeah. at the turn, represents the 1956 ship's range light line. Right. Determined by that. It Which terminates. Is the blue dog leg. That's correct. Okay. And it terminates by definition at the shore right here. We've supplied the United States Coast and Geodetic Map. It terminates by definition at the shore, which is the location of the ship's range lights. Uh, what, you know, what, what is it New Hampshire wants? Pardon? I, I'm sorry. Don't assume too much. Assume I know nothing about this. Look at the blue line, which is not. Uh, look at the blue line and tell me what, where it is that New Hampshire wants to go. The portion of the boundary that is at issue in this litigation is the portion that starts from this, from this line that's west of this line and runs up the river to the saltwater confluence at the Kuchiko River. So CV Island, is that's a part? This is CV's Island right here. And you want part of that? 
This case is not about the location of the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. It's about the boundaries of New Hampshire, and it's about whether New Hampshire has rights to Portsmouth Harbor that historically have been New Hampshire's. Our case goes back to 1679 when New Hampshire was created as a royal province in the port of Piscataqua, later the port of New Hampshire, was annexed to New Hampshire. We historically have controlled and governed the harbor. Our claim goes to the fact that the historical documents show that at the time of the American Revolution... But shouldn't all of this have been fleshed out in the 1976 case? In 1976, the parties had no motive or reason to litigate these issues. The key matter uh, at, at issue in the 1976 litigation concerned New Hampshire's desire for a straight-line lateral marine boundary. And there's been a number of maps filed that shows the respective claims of the parties, and I'll refer you specifically to uh, map number 11, which shows all the different boundary claims. And people had a lot of different ideas about where the boundaries should be in the lateral marine area. This was the, these are all... That refers to the 1976 litigation? That's correct, Your Honor. And the location of the starting point was attended to achieve one purpose, as far as New Hampshire was concerned, and that was to accomplish a straight-line lateral marine boundary. But if, if in fact, the choice of that starting point also leads to other perfectly logical conclusions, isn't New Hampshire bound by that? No, Your Honor, New Hampshire is not bound by that because there was no actual adjudication of the issues in 1976. No inference can be raised that the parties intended to adjudicate that, and I will address that specifically with respect to the continuity argument. May I just ask that you say there was no actual adjudication, but paragraph 4 was the subject of dispute within this Court. Three of us descended from paragraph 4. How can you say there wasn't an actual decision on that point? Your Honor, I think that the question on whether there was an actual decision goes to the matter of whether that stipulation was essential to the Court's authority to enter the decree. And the Court could have entered the decree as a valid agreement of the parties establishing the location of the boundary simply by reference to the phrase in the 1740 decree that describes the boundary as passing up through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor. And the point that... I attempted to make before is that, if anything, that was an impediment. The Court entered the decree despite that, not because of it. And the reason is, is because there's no legal authority for using a modern ship's channel as a divisional principle in boundary cases. There are a number of boundary cases that do use ship's channel, but the ship's channel is always the ship's channel. You're just repeating Justice White's argument. You're just repeating Justice White's argument. Well, Which the I, court rejected. And, and that, that's why I think that the 1976 order issued by this court does stand for the proposition that the states have broad latitude in coming to agreement as to the location of a boundary when the underlying boundary instrument is imprecise. And I think the second corollary of that is that this court need not adjudicate the actual true and correct historical meaning of the underlying decree in approving such an agreement of the parties. And I think later on in the Multi-State Tax Commission that we've cited in our brief, in that case, the Court explicitly cited this case as well as the Virginia versus Tennessee case for the proposition that an approval of an agreement relative to a boundary line didn't implicate the Commerce Clause when the underlying instrument was imprecise. So I think it goes to the point of whether this Court could have approved that consent agreement entered into between New Hampshire and Maine had that stipulation not been there regarding the meaning of the phrase middle of the river? And the answer to that has to be yes, under, and particularly for the reasons you state regarding the dissent that was raised, because there is no legal or historical authority for defining the term middle of the river as it was used in 1740 to mean a ship's channel marked by 1956 range lights that clearly was not located at the location of the Thalway. I think the Court would be surprised to learn that the, that the real d- disagreement between the majority and the dissent in the case 
was not over where the line was, but rather over whether you can accept the party's stipulation or not. There, there's no indication in, in the writings, as I recall it, that that was the, the difference between the majority and the dissent. I think both the majority and the dissent understood that they had to be determining what the, what the line was, giving some allowance to the party's uh, uh, concessions, but that the Court had a responsibility to determine the line. I, both opinions seem to indicate that. And you're telling us that the, that the basic distinction is that the, uh, uh, the majority just thought that they had no responsibility to come to an independent determination. I, I, I just don't read the, uh, uh, the order that way. Well, the consent decree that was approved stated specifically in the first paragraph that the master's decision is approved. And the master's recommendation provided for a line at the geographic middle. Then the dissent raised questions that it was not the Thalweg. No representation was made that it was the Thalweg, that it was a 1956 ship channel that was being used, and raised questions about the legal authority of, of those devices to determine a 1740 boundary. New Hampshire, at oral argument, told the Court, this decision is arbitrary. It's based on administrative convenience. We want a straight boundary line. And the reason why that dogleg went up into the harbor instead of emerged from a closing line is that Maine insisted at that time their closing line not be placed across the harbor so that it could take advantage of the reservation that this Court had allowed it in the United States versus Maine case to litigate the legal extent of its seaward boundaries. So this was not a case where the parties intended to negotiate or to conclude a boundary in the harbor. The dogleg portion of it was done to accommodate Maine's in- interests in reserving its right to litigate the question of, its, uh, of, of the legal extent of its seaward boundaries. Moreover, as the state has submitted to the court, uh, the Solicitor General at that time was expressing grave concern regarding the question of whether this would implicate rights in the United States versus Maine case by establishing a ruling that colonial charters had a legal effect in determining boundaries in the marginal sea. And is your point is your point this that that uh, I look at that map four and you say go to the top of the blue line. And you say, we're not talking about the blue line. We're talking about the, a line that would be drawn to the left of the top past Seabreeze Island. That's correct, right. Your Honor. Now, you're also adding that that blue line represents some kind of compromise in the case that doesn't actually make very much sense, but it was a compromise. That's correct, So Your now Honor. you're saying, whatever we might have done to compromise that blue line, we never said a word about the line that isn't there. And, uh, by the way, uh, it wasn't in the case, the line that wasn't there, and uh, so we get to litigate that afresh. That's absolutely correct. The claim was a very different claim. As stated in the complaint, the claim was for the lateral marine boundaries that ran from the mouth. Is there any theory, is there any theory of law or common sense or anything that would would say, all right, the blue line, you draw the line at the lights, but the line, imaginary line, goes off to the left past Seavey's Island, you don't draw at the lights. Now, is there anybody other than a totally illogical person who could defend that proposition? There's no line that is a natural outgrowth of the line that terminates at the lights. Those range lights were installed in order to allow vessels to navigate up through that particular area. And there are no range lights the other way. Well, there are actually some range lights at Pierce's Island, but those range lights weren't even discussed in the context of the 1976 case. Ms. Lickie, I mean, the, the, the one problem with what you're saying is that it just doesn't, doesn't comport with what is said in the, in the consent decree. I mean, the consent decree doesn't say, oh, you know, let's, let's just draw the line here arbitrarily. We have to draw it somewhere. It, it begins by setting forth the order of the King and Council of April 9, 1740, and it then continues that as used in that order of the King and Council, the term, not just the term middle of the harbor, but also the term middle of the river, mean the middle of the main channel of navigation. I mean, there's just no other way to read the the consent decree except as addressing that precise issue and not coming to some just arbitrary, uh, not based on the 1740 consent decree, uh, line through the middle of the harbor. They thought that they were doing 
being faithful to the uh, the order of the King and Council. Your Honor, I, I would disagree with that based on the oral argument when New Hampshire represented to the Court that that was an arbitrary location based on the administrative convenience of the parties. Moreover, it does — Where where was that? In in, in the oral presentation, New Hampshire said what? New Hampshire, in the oral argument, said that those locations were arbitrary and based on the desire to serve the administrative convenience of the respective — But that that doesn't certainly mean that Maine necessarily agreed with that. Your, Your Honor, Maine did not take the position at this time that this was a litigated issue or that this was an issue that actually was tied to the historical location of this ship's Well, camp. I mean, you shouldn't lie about it. If you think it's arbitrary, you shouldn't sign a piece of paper that says the order of the King of Council says this, and what that order means is this. Your that Honor, is simply incompatible with getting up and saying the line is arbitrary. If you believed it was ar- arbitrary, you shouldn't have signed this, it seems to me. And, and I, I think we can hold you to what you signed. Your Honor, the history of the litigation shows that at the time that Maine and New Hampshire entered into this decree, which was 1974, both states did it with the best of intentions. There was not a searching historical inquiry into what the phrase up the middle of the river might have meant. Both states did it with the best intentions without a thorough inquiry into what the history was. Well, at the was. very least, it didn't mean the low water mark on the main shore, did it? I mean, no matter what you had in mind, it was some version of the middle of the river. Your Honor, I think the question goes to the applicability of that phrase to describe the harbor boundary. At that time, both Maine and New Hampshire believed with the best of intentions and with the best of understanding that that phrase applied to the harbor boundary. We have since changed our views. Excuse me. I I just — I don't think I had an answer to my question. How could the term the middle of the river, which you agreed to, mean the low water mark on the main shore? Your Honor, our position on the term up the middle of the river means that we take the position that as historically used, that was intended to describe the course of the boundary up the main part of the Piscataqua River, and it was intended to direct that the line that proceeded north two degrees west went from the main tributary that was the main feeder stream into the headwaters of the Salmon Falls River. And we have shown through the 1763 boundary proceedings and the 1828 boundary proceedings that that is how that term was used. We do not think that that term is properly applied to the harbor boundary. In 1973, both Maine and New Hampshire and the special master all thought that term had some relevance to the harbor boundary with the best of intentions because there had not been a searching historical inquiry into what that language meant. And it was an easy mistake to make. New Hampshire — If if I understand you correctly, uh, if you were counsel for New Hampshire in 1976 and you then knew what you now know, would you have signed this decree? No, Your Honor. But that's not what they knew, and they did it with the best of intentions. All right, so that's what's worrying me, that, that when I read this until I heard you, actually, I, I thought, well, gee, I don't understand what this argument is, because the reading of this decree seems to say when you take middle of the river or middle of the harbor or middle of anything, it seems to take the main channel of navigation divided down the river. Now, you've read it closely, and you say that this part of it wasn't actually at issue. Well, maybe that's true. But if we start reopening boundary decrees, it seems to me we're going to get into a lot of trouble, because there may be a lot of boundary decrees among states that have parts that, if you really looked at them, they might not have been perfect or perfectly described. So why not just hold you to this, even though it was all done by mistake and with the best of intentions and so forth? Your Honor, we're not trying to get out of anything that was decided in 1976. It wasn't literally decided, because it wasn't directly an issue in the case, I assume. But nonetheless, the words in this decree surely cover it, don't they? Your Honor, the issue wasn't actually adjudicated. The applicability of this phrase was an assumption that the parties brought to the negotiations. And the boundary was set out based upon those negotiations. There was no actual actual adjudication of whether this phrase applied. The portion of the boundary at issue was not the harbor boundary. There was no intent to make this apply. That was clear. 
And I think that the most troublesome aspect, and that's why I addressed this question first, is whether this Court could have entered the consent decree in 1976 had the party's stipulation pertaining to the meaning of the middle of the river not been there. And I think the Court could have entered it because the boundary description described the boundary as passing up through the mouth of the Skadikwa Harbor. And it would have been reasonable, given that description of the boundary, for the parties to agree upon a location in the middle. But the point is, is that neither the application nor the meaning of the phrase up the middle of the river was actually adjudicated in 1976. What, what effect do you think should be given to the 1740 decree? The 1740 decree um, is a relevant piece of historical evidence. We is, is, is relevant historical evidence? Or is irrelevant? I didn't hear. No, we've actually stated it is relevant when we've listed the items that we believe bear on New Hampshire's boundary claim, and that's on page 12 of our motion and uh, our brief. Well, why can't I read the consent? uh, Why can't I read our earlier decision, our decree, as saying that the 1740 um, uh, determination is controlling of the boundary? Your Honor, I don't think that decree can be read that in that way because there was no adjudication of the issues. The claims are very different in this case. No intent can be inferred, and it was not essential to this Court's jurisdiction to enter judgment. And I think that's been made clear by the Court's citation. Why should the 1740 decree be relevant to part of the dispute and not another part of the dispute? The the 1740 decree describes the boundary as passing up through the mouth of the harbor, and we believe that is relevant. But what we think is more relevant is the historical evidence. It says the middle of the harbor, precisely, right? It doesn't say the middle of the harbor. It says it shall pass up through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor and up the middle of the river. And that the dividing line shall part the Isles of Shoals and run through the middle of the harbor between the islands to the sea on the southerly side. That's correct, Your Honor, but the dividing line is not what's at issue here. And what, what's at issue is the phrase passing up through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor. And New Hampshire has made a claim based upon its right as a successor sovereign to the Crown at the Revolution when the province of New Hampshire's boundaries extended to the main shore. At one point, it seems to me, it does say just passing uh, where is it? Through the mouth of the Piscataqua Harbor. But then later, when it refers to the same line, it says, uh, run through the middle of the harbor. So it, it does say middle of the harbor, and you're essentially arguing that middle of the harbor means something different from middle of the river. No, Your Honor. Middle of the harbor refers to Gosport Harbor. And, in fact, there is a distinction there, because the decree says specifically that it passes through the middle of Gosport Harbor, whereas it only says it passes through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor, which at that time was annexed entirely to the province of New Hampshire, governed and controlled and administered by New Hampshire provincial officials. New Hampshire collected tonnage. New Hampshire collected imposts. May I stop you there just for a moment, because I want to be clear on how much you want to go back. I understand that you say that the settlement that was entered into in, what, 77, was for that case only. You have answered, Justice Kennedy, that the 1740 order is relevant evidence but not conclusive. Are you attacking that 1740 order also as not the basis, whatever it means? Are you saying it is not the proper basis for determining this boundary? We think that the 1740 order needs to be reconciled with history. We don't think that the apparent meaning of the text can trump history. What we have done is look at history and try to understand the text of that order in the context of history, and that has been the reason for our great reliance on historical events and documents in explaining what the terms of that 1740 order are. Are you saying it's, it's not binding? For what reason? I mean, that was intended to be a settlement, a decision by the king, ultimately by the king. Whatever those words may mean that are set out on 2A, isn't that at least conclusive between these two states? 
Yes, and we say those words are entirely consistent with the boundary located on the main shore because those words were intended to direct that the boundary follow the main part. And we have cited the Charter of Connecticut. And what what language places it on the main shore? I mean, mean, I I can understand you're saying middle of the river means you you follow the main channel of the river and not one of the side channels. But what portion of that 1740 decree, unless it's a terribly sloppy piece of work, what portion of it says when you follow the main channel, you use the main shore? You're talking M-A-I-N-E and M-A-I-N. The first one is M-A-I-N and the second is M-A-I-N-E. I I thought that was clear. (laughs) The boundary decree describes the boundary as passing up through the mouth of Piscataqua Harbor. And New Hampshire has shown through historical evidence that the harbor was annexed to New Hampshire and that the boundary commissioners had no authority to divide the harbor. We've cited — Well, but they would have said something about it. Where in the 1740 order do they refer to the the main with an E shore? I I don't see anything there that refers to the main shore. Your Honor, may I proceed to answer? I wish you — thank you. Yes. The boundary decree, although it says passes up through the mouth of the harbor, has to be construed in the context of the authority of the boundary commissioners, the authority of the Treasury over um, courts, the authority of the King to um, withhold um, navigable rivers and ports from royal provinces without charters. Thank you, Ms. Lucky. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stern, you have four minutes remaining. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, there's been the suggestion today that river does not equal harbor. Uh, the special master at the time uh, was pretty sure that the harbor and the river were coextensive. New Hampshire, back in the 1970s, specifically stated that the mouth of the harbor is the same as the mouth of the river. Are there two harbors here, by the way? She said there's Gosport Harbor and, and another harbor. What are the two harbors? Gosport Harbor is the harbor out at the Isle of Shoals, out in the islands in the sea. Oh, out by the uh, — oh, the uh, — okay. Piscataqua gotcha. Harbor or Portsmouth Harbor is the one we're talking about. Understand. But in the 1970s, New Hampshire was pretty clear that mouth of the harbor equaled mouth of the river, and they stated that in, in pleadings to this Court at uh, 315A and 329A of, of Maine's appendix. What is the answer to her simple argument that that area to the left, you go to the top of the blue line, you look left, oh, and there's right. a dotted line. He says, is that dotted line, whatever we said in that decree, it wasn't an issue in the case, and therefore we want to go back into it. The whole river was before the court, because what's been lost in the argument here, I believe, is that there were two main events, so to speak, with respect to the 1970s litigation. One was whether the line going out from the Portsmouth Harbor to the Isle of Shoals was straight or crooked in some way. The second one which is the one that uh, the dissent addressed, was where in the river was the boundary, because depending upon where it was, geographic middle, Thalwig, or the main shoreline, uh, it would determine how much territory was in each state. To suggest that New Hampshire didn't have the incentive to claim a shoreline uh, on Maine's, uh, in Maine uh, is, I mean, borders on implausible because it would have resulted in hundreds, if not thousands, of additional acres of territory being in New Hampshire rather than Maine. And recall that New Hampshire filed special exceptions to the special master's report and argued to this court that the boundary should be moved over a bit, 350 feet in the middle of the river, to get some additional territory. A shoreline boundary would have increased that many-fold. So New Hampshire had the incentive to press a claim to the shoreline boundary. the notion that um, we can suggest today that the attorneys general in the 1970s didn't know anything, uh, didn't know what we know today, is exactly why we have race judicata. The, the circus, of which we almost would have to do, is bringing those folk back in and cross-examining them, is why we have race judicata. New Hampshire had the opportunity to press a shoreland boundary which had all the incentive and the fair opportunity to do in the 1970s. Its failure to do so precludes it from doing so now. Um, And the reason we have these specific findings, rulings, and legal principles, according to New Hampshire, as they explained in the 1970s, 
was to avoid the Vermont versus New York problem, where there was a decree without findings, without an, adjudica- an adjudication of any issues. Because of that concern that this decree might not be approved, these specific findings and rulings and legal principles were laid out here, and they're made without reservation. And getting back to Justice Breyer's questions, paragraph 5, if we can read along, says, quote, the middle of the main channel of navigation of the Biscataka River, comma, commencing in the vicinity of Fort Point and Fishing Island, close quote, it's an effort, maybe not an exact effort, but it's an effort to lay out the middle of the main channel of navigation of the Biscataka River. There may have been reasons to have it as a straight line in that channel, but it is an effort. Thank you, Mr. Stern. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.